Rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks kick off the 2023-24 National Hockey League season, and they do it in style with an 8-1 romp over the Edmonton Oilers at Rogers Arena. Big night, big show, big crew here on Rink-wide Vancouver. Jeff Patterson along with Matt Sakaris and Blake Price, and we are here, guys, to break it all down. And my goodness, no shortage of storylines, starting with Brock Besser and his four-goal performance, the first for him in his National Hockey League career. The stars were out in full force, but the stars we're talking about are the ones that were wearing Vancouver Connect colors on this night. They checked so many of the boxes, and of course, after last season stumbling out of the gates and going winless in their first seven hockey games, they get two points in the win column and some momentum heading into Edmonton and the start of a five-game road trip, the rematch coming up on Saturday night. We will get into all of it. And again, there is so much to chew on uh, from this one hockey game. We'll have our three stars of the night. We'll have the stat that stands out and everything else that we can squeeze into this post-game pod, which is a presentation of Bodog. And Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Uh, Bodog, line of the day from me. You've got a big one going on tomorrow in Nashville because the Kraken lost their opener a goal with the home team there. Preds, plus one on your Bodog line of the day. I thought, you know, it'd be a great idea to have the three of us here for Rinkwide's opening regular season show because, you know, 3-1 game, you know, like you, you, need, you need to have, you know, six eyes on the action to, to fill up an entire podcast. I, one of us can we're, probably leave at we're this thinking point. thinking low event hockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we came through a preseason where we wondered uh, about goal scoring from this hockey club and certainly depth scoring. They got some depth scoring, but really it was the top of the lineup. And you wondered. You're taking on the Edmonton Oilers. It's McDavid. It's Dreisaitl. It's the best power play in recent National Hockey League history from last season. But this is a new season, and the Canucks think that they've beefed up. They think that they have improved. And uh, on this night... Uh, certainly a lot of what Rick Tockett and his coaching staff have been preaching through the preseason uh, was there on display for the Vancouver Canucks. They got the start they were looking for. Connor Garland with uh, all the noise that's been around him for the last 48 hours. Wouldn't you know, he's the guy that opens the scoring. But the night belonged to Brock Besser, one in the first period, two in the second. A natural, a natural hat trick for Besser, the fourth time in his NHL career that he had scored three in a game. Hadn't done that in almost four years, guys, in Los Angeles, late October of 2019, but he did one better. And he went four on the night. Uh, with a goal in the third period as well. JT Miller with a goal and four assists. Elias Pedersen had one and three on this night. Dakota Joshua rounds out the scoring for the Vancouver Canucks. Just about everybody getting in on the act, including Casey DeSmith. We didn't expect that, but Mm -hmm. uh, he was pressed into action for the final 12 minutes of the hockey game. The outcome wasn't in doubt at that point, but uh, uh, out came Thatcher Demko, and we'll talk about that storyline as well. But let's just jump in right here, right now. On Brock Besser, you think of last year in the season opener, uh, coming off uh, the passing of his father and the struggles for him, the injury in the preseason. He went 12 games, guys, without scoring a goal off the hop a year ago. So uh, he is just miles uh, ahead of last year's pace already. He only scored 18 goals, and that was one of the storylines, that uh, wasn't enough. Wasn't enough from him. Wasn't enough from Garland. There wasn't enough from a handful of guys on this hockey club last year, but... Uh, 14 to go. 14 to go. He's got Mm. 81 games to get 14 (laughs) goals to better last season. Leads the National Hockey League in goals. He does. Shows up Austin Matthews on opening night. Yeah, And how about this incredible stat? 
six four goal performances in the last 100 years on opening night in the National Hockey League. The Vancouver Canucks have three of them. Yeah. Besser, Rick Blight in 1976, and then Gus Adams with a young Jeff Patterson in the house Mm -hmm. in 1987. Yeah, that seems like a disproportionate amount of fun mm-hmm. on opening night for a team with no cups in 50-odd years. But um, And the first natural hat trick by a Vancouver Canuck on opening night in 53 years. I loved Besser's first goal, and I can tell you that Rick Tockett absolutely loved Brock Besser's first goal. Not so much, I mean, the shot was great. I mean, that just a throwback to Besser's first two seasons in the NHL. Puck on his stick, time, and he picks his spot, and he just snaps it home past... Uh, Jack Campbell, and it was obviously a tough night for Campbell. The hook came out in the second period. wasn't a whole lot better for Stuart Skinner. But for Brock Besser, that play all starts with Phil DiGiuseppe up ice, harassing the defender, turning a puck over, gets it to JT Miller, and Miller finds Besser in the slot. He makes no mistake. But, you know, for those that wonder, what's PDG doing in a top six role on this hockey club? He had a nice preseason We know the coach loves him for the tools that he has, and they were all there on display front and center. And if he keeps doing that, uh, he's not going to move off that that line. Jeff, we talked about this in the last preseason game. There was a reason why Tockett kept pretty much just the one line together through preseason. DiGiuseppe with Miller and Besser, and that's because DiGiuseppe is going to do all the grunt work and get the puck for these two gifted offensive players. He did so on that goal, but he was dangerous all night on the forecheck, turning over pucks, creating possession in the offensive zone and allowing Miller and Besser to do their thing. And they had a tough assignment too. Yeah. I mean, that line has oodles of offensive potential. If DiGiuseppe's going to do the spade work, you know, long-term you wonder about the defensive detail of that line and the pace of that line, especially on the wings. But Hey, on a night like tonight, when you're scoring as many goals as they do, uh, you got room for a defensive slip or two. Well, they they got the assignment, the the toughest assignment um, in maybe the National Hockey League to to take on Connor McDavid's line, and they didn't win the possession battle, but they took their chunk, they took their you know ounce of flesh here. Like they they weren't they weren't caved in. They lost the battle uh, in terms of shot share, but I would have liked to have seen the uh, the timeline of that shot share and how much of that was a little bit of score effects. Although we didn't see much score effects, the Oilers kind of rolled over a little bit. Um, but he, in the first 40 minutes, I mean, his role, he knows his role. It seems a little unfair that he only gets the one assist, the secondary assist on the second goal of the, se- of the, uh, of the game, the first goal for Brock Besser. But that was the perfect example of what he can do on that particular goal. He certainly deserves that second assist. Not all second assists are created equal, but that was, uh, that was a good one. And, and, and I'm sure he'll get more. Well, tonight where we're going to focus on the offense and why wouldn't we, the Canucks scored eight goals once in a game last year, and it was against Sad Sack Anaheim. Elias Pettersson had a five point night. Kuzmenko had a hat trick. That was a November game at home against the Ducks. This is the Oilers on opening night, and the Canucks hang eight on them. But uh, just to look at that uh, JT Miller versus Connor McDavid matchup, McDavid finishes the night with the one assist, and it came on the power play goal by Dreisaitl. So nothing at evens. Minus three on the night, 20 minutes and 13 seconds, two shots on goal, and head to head, JT Miller and Connor McDavid at even strength. You're right. McDavid had. 53, the Oilers had 53% of the, the shot attempts. So it was pretty much a saw off there. But in terms of actual shots on goal, the Canucks outshot the Oilers uh, in five on five minutes when McDavid and Miller went head to head. And here's the important one the Canucks outscored the Oilers 
three zip. So uh, that's a pretty solid night at the office. JT Miller uh, in this checking capacity. Will all nights go like this? No. But for him to gain some confidence in that role and to come out of the night, you know, winning his battle with McDavid, coming out with five points on the night and ultimately a victory for his hockey club. Like that's a pretty solid night at the office for JT Miller on opening night. There were some score effects, but it wasn't great. Um, it's not like they uh, got good chances. They got some more shots as the game went on with the lopsided score. But to me, that's that's a good sign as well, because we saw structure in the opening 40 minutes. They didn't get lazy with it late in the game and and let the Oilers back into it. I mean, that dry settle goal, that's just like tax. Like you, yeah. you're going to you're going to give up that goal. Many teams. Well, that's his office. Um but I, I I did see, I mean, Jeff, we, we saw this in previous years. The Canuck fans wouldn't be calm, even up five to one. I don't think Canucks fans would have been calm, but I think they were pretty calm at five one because they saw how they got to five one. You know, for me, I, I look back now, and again, you're sort of starstruck by all the goals, eight goals for the Vancouver Canucks. To me, the most important sequence of this hockey game, guys, was the first minute and fifty-seven seconds of the second period. JT Miller takes a penalty on Connor McDavid in the dying seconds of the first. Fresh ice, Oilers power play, this vaunted Oilers power play. It's a 2 nothing hockey game at the time. They score there, they're into it. Uh, the Oilers supporters that were in attendance, they had uh, the cheers going early. They didn't have much to cheer about as the night unfolded. But, you know, you get the fan base, the Oilers fan base, into it. The team's feeling better about itself. They cut into the Canucks deficit. They get one on Thatcher Demko if they score there. And the Canucks bent but they didn't break. And on that penalty kill, they got the job done. And instead of it being two to one Edmonton with a ton of time left, uh, moments later, Brock Besser bunts that puck in at the side of the net after uh, the heroic shot and Miller in the mix as well. And so instead of it going from, you know, two, nothing to two to one, the Canucks able to extend the lead. And then Besser gets the the hat trick with the bounce and what a reaction there with the hat trick goal. He, he knew a uh, big smile on his face. You know, those are bounces that he didn't get last year. But. There were big smiles on all of them, though. Sure. And, and again, the personal smile. Um, but, it, you know, even beyond that, just the on-ice hockey smile. Like, the, I think he probably thought of his dad a lot tonight. But I, I think he also just kind of thought about the hockey ringer that he's been through. He's been through a hockey ringer as well as the personal life ringer. Boy, I, I mean, he was beaming all night long. And uh, as you said, at two nothing, the two goal scorers, Garland and Besser, it's the all trade request team. <laughs> yes, that yeah. was that was getting the Canucks going early. Jeff, I agree with you on that um, bit about the penalty kill early in the second period. Then late in the second period, Demko makes a bunch of really good saves. There's a glove save, there's a pad save on Drysital. Uh, Dylan Holloway net side has a chance. Philip Ronick gets down a block, a centering pass, and prevent another. Chance, you know, if one of those goes in, it's a three goal game going into the third, and we're all thinking back to last year with all the blown leads. The other thing I'll say, uh, with regards to Besser and Miller, how about that power play, guys? Like the movement, like we all looked at it and went, You were so successful last year, and really the year before, too. You don't have Horvat anymore. Is the bumper going to work as well with a right handed shot? Besser, or how much experimentation are we going to see? There was a lot of movement on that power play, it was dangerous all night. Yeah, goes into the books at three for six. So uh, 50% batting average Not for bad. a Canuck power play against this Oiler team that you know ran a power play up over 30% last year. And the Canucks penalty kill 
as, as Blake said, you're going to give up goals to the Oilers. That's just the way it goes. But the fact that they killed off three of four, and really one of them was late there, Ian Cole in the dying seconds. So, uh, you know, when this game was, when the game mattered, uh, the Canucks essentially go two for three on the penalty kill. And, you know, in the first period, the Oilers had that early Tyler Myers puck over the glass, and you thought, oh, my goodness, like, you know, that's mm-hmm. not the start yeah, you're looking for. We know for. the plot lines. Yeah. We've seen them. Well, yeah. special teams are a big issue. And they didn't give up a shot on that power play. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm telling you, the active sticks preventing that Royal Road pass, like, that killed them last season and through the preseason and again tonight. The penalty kill just looks and feels different. It does. And, Jeff, that's with three primary penalty killers missing this You're game. Right. Carson yep. Soucy, Ilya Mikheyev, and Teddy Bluger, who was so great in preseason. Also want to note, at 50%, the Oilers on track for a historically bad penalty, penalty kill. kill this season, guys. They're going to try and match the Canucks of last year. I don't want to overstate things, but we all know how this market works. And when the schedule came out and it was home and home with the Oilers, I thought, that obviously is going to be tough. You see McDavid twice off the hop, the whole penalty kill storyline. Had they stumbled out of the gate again, given what happened last year, and even if they had gone 0-2, I think the angst in this market would have been through the roof. Yes. And so, again, I don't want to make – there's 82 games, I get that, but I do think there was some heft to the Canucks putting in a performance – and ultimately getting a result here. Well, and, and Jeff, I think you can argue that this was the best game. This was the best chance. This game was the best chance at a win in these opening six. Now they go to Philly and Philly's a dreadful team. So maybe you want to count that one, but in Edmonton, isn't going to be easy against the two Florida teams. I mean, one's the defending Eastern conference champion. One's been to three of the last four Stanley cups. And then you get Saros in Nashville to end your road trip. So yeah, I looked at it the same way you did. Bad start has to be avoided at all costs. Next five are going to be quite tough, or four or five should be quite tough. Uh, kind of need this one, or at least want something out of this one. And boy, did they get something out of this one. They did indeed. And most importantly for them, they get two points. The bags are packed. They move on to Edmonton, the start of a five-game road trip. We're just getting rolling here on rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks defeat the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 8-1, to one. Matt. Uh, a word about Applewood Auto Group. Oh, let me do it. Let me talk like about Applewood. A word about Applewood Auto Group. Uh, we want to tell you about what's going on at uh, Applewood Nissan right now because you can finance the 2023 Rogue from 3.99% lease or finance the 23-24 Leaf from 6.99%. Uh, those are bad rates in today's world, folks. Applewood Nissan in Richmond, Langley, and Surrey. Canucks 8, the Oilers 1. I repeat, the Canucks 8, the Oilers 1. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
All right, so we've talked about Brock Besser. We talked a little bit about uh, JT Miller. Elias Patterson guys, had a four-point night, and he takes a back seat. And yeah. Like, you know, we wondered, can he follow up a 102-point season? Will he follow up a 102-point season? Again, there's a lot of hockey and a lot of ground to cover here. But for him in this contract year and all of the noise that surrounds him there, uh, he couldn't ask for a whole lot better start. And interesting, too, to me, that – he went all of the early portion of last season under Bruce Boudreau without scoring on the power play, which just it was mind-boggling. The fact that he finished the year with only six power play goals, and here he does—you know—he throws one to the net, but uh, bodies in front. The Canucks, I thought, did a pretty nice job of that uh, throughout this hockey game. And Elias Pettersson benefited there, but uh, the sauce on the pass to Connor Garland—just ridiculous! It was perfect. It was so high. I think it was measured almost four and a half feet or something like that, and then lands perfectly. I mean, we shouldn't be amazed anymore. But it's the beauty of games like this, and beautiful, you know, great players is that they they wow us in new ways all the time. But this this performance by Elias Pettersson takes a lot of boxes. The power play that you talked about already. Um, the just the good start. He was ready for that game. That that pass to Garland is, is early, and then they hit on CC. Oh yeah, pièce de resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, there should be a Renaissance painting of yeah. of the impact, like that back check in his first home right? game. Right, Blake. That yes. will live in Canucks. No, but he's vowed to be score. an even more complete player than we've mm-hmm. already seen. I don't right. remember. We've always. Uh, uh, thought that the Pavel Datsuk Ray Ferraro comparison was pretty good. Ray's comparison. He's not comparison, <laughs> comparing himself there. But I don't remember Datsuk labeling guys like that. No. Like uh, he, he could add even more tricks here. And, and, and the great news as we digest the 8 1 victory, because the one thing that was lingering out there, Thatcher Demko, mm. and word now coming out, it is the flu. We know the flu has been going through the team. And so he leaves this game with 12 minutes left to go. Great Blake, call. Yeah. Great call. Uh, uh, Blake, I believe you you pointed out that it looks like Tockett tells JT Miller on the bench, don't worry, he's going to be fine. He yeah. goes down the tunnel quickly. A doctor follows him. You're thinking, oh, my God, please don't tell me Demko's hurt in the opener. But sounds like it's just the flu. And it sounds like he's been battling it. So it doesn't sound yeah. like he just got the flu. Well, it sounds like in a couple more days, and he might be able to go on Saturday. Uh, I, it hope, was I hope he has been on. battling. I had a good chat with him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I walked out of Rogers I'm Arena. I'm sliding with, over now. Yeah, I, well, I, hey, I walked out of Rogers but, Arena with him uh, yesterday after practice, and we were just, I spent a week in San Diego in the summer, and I was just telling him, I was giving him the, the, the visitor's review of yes. uh, San Diego mm-hmm. and picking his brain a little bit, but we had a nice chat, and uh, he certainly looked and sounded okay, okay then. Yeah. Uh, and <coughs> oh, I think I yeah. that one's something now, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, great call by the Canucks. Get him out of there. You know, mm-hmm. If he's working on a shutout, different story, but yeah, he he'd given up a goal. It's all about the result, and they are going to need this guy. They're going to use him a ton. Uh, they don't fly to Edmonton until Friday. If he needs a full day on Thursday, give it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a, a wise call. Whoever made that decision, get him out of there, get Casey DeSmith in. Uh, and well, the- Jeff, I mean, we were sitting here wondering, going, is this just load management? You've got a six-goal lead or a five-goal lead, whatever it was at the time. But sounds like a flu. Sounds like a flu for Garland as well, who left and came back. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I I wonder if it's flu for him because would you come back if you weren't feeling great? Uh, I mean, I just know. it's eight one. I would assume he park it. It might have just been a little nick, but uh, Garland is probably okay. But uh, and and I, I'm I'm gonna guess that Demko's pretty darn close to being able to start um, by the time Saturday rolls around. So um, 
That's great because he looked pretty good. I don't know that there's much to analyze from his performance other than, hey, early on, it's still a two goal game for uh, a good chunk of, uh, the, you know, the first period in a bit. So, you know, he's, he's looked very comfortable, looked very ready for uh, the challenge that these Oilers forwards presented to him. And, and, and we're going to get reminded, we hope, of what good goaltending looks like in this market. So we'll get to the stat that stands out a little bit later on. We'll do our three stars as well. But how about this? Connor Garland opened the scoring. Connor Garland played nine minutes and 52 seconds in this hockey game. Wow. After that spectacular goal. He only had three shifts in the third. I think he came back to the bench but didn't play. Didn't play, yeah. yeah. Uh, only, yeah, a minute and 28 seconds of the third period, but less than 10 minutes of ice time for Connor Garland, who started the night on the top line with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, ice time uh, kind of a little screwy. Just, there was a lot of special teams, and, of course, both teams uh, down a man, and that was going to throw a, a bit of a wrench into it. But uh, what do we make of Sam Lafferty's uh, Vancouver Canuck debut? Uh, again, in a night when the team wins 8-1 to one and – you know, nice setup to Dakota Joshua for a little gravy there a few days after Thanksgiving. But bold his way to the front of the net uh, in the first period, drew the Brett Kulak hooking penalty. Uh, face-offs, uh, a work in progress, and he was working on those after uh, his one and only practice. I mean, he's been through a lot, obviously. Uh, the trade, traveling from Toronto, gets in one practice, and then has to play on a line without uh, a right winger. Essentially, they're down to 11 forwards there. They were uh, without uh, the full complement of forwards. So a bit of a strange situation for Sam Lafferty altogether, but I noticed him four hits in the hockey game. Shaking off the yep. back check there on the assist. And one of the first two penalty-killing forwards yeah. used with J.T. Miller in the absence of McKayef and Bluger. And a right shot, center, or right shot guy, too, which was interesting because the first face-off shorthanded on that Myers penalty was to the right of Thatcher right. Demko, and there was Sam Lafferty did he, to take the draw. Did, he, just did, an he, option. Win, did, he, did he win that one? No, I don't think he, he did. not win any. <laughs> in the first period, he didn't win any. <laughs> but And on the night, just three of 15. So yeah, that's why we say a work so, in progress. Yeah, center there. in uh, brackets. Jeff brings up a good point, though, with the Patterson and Miller there. You've got lefties to take face-offs. You do want another righty, so you wonder if you're going to see Lafferty with Patterson and with Miller killing penalties as this season goes well, on. Look, they have been derelict in their duty of building this team to management groups. You wouldn't have a pitching staff in baseball with no lefties, like, or in this case, no righties. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Brandon Sutter, uh, they had Curtis Lazar for a short while, but he didn't play much center. Um you know, it, it makes sense on a lot of levels to bring Lafferty in. Now, if he goes 3-12 and 12 on a lot of nights, he's not going to be a face-off guy. But Teddy Bluger will return to the lineup. Uh, Teddy Bluger's skating but wasn't ready to go on this one. We'll see about the weekend. But Teddy Bluger will take face-offs. He'll probably be the first guy over the boards. And Lafferty can come in in a pinch, I suppose, to take draws if he has to, if somebody else gets waved out. But but Teddy Bluger, not just, he's not going to just bolster the penalty kill, but... He will help that fourth line as well. So yeah, I mean well, they got Bluger and they got Suter as right shots who, who can take draws uh, on the PK going forward alongside Lafferty. Well, Bluger and Suter are lefties. That's why they brought Lafferty in was he's the only righty that oh, they've got. At my the bad position. So um, yeah, but, but they've got a guy and they can work on him. Is his his prowess? Um, and who knows? I'd like to see which side of the ice those three wins were. As long as they were on the on the right side, then the theory still holds at the very least. But hey, his effort, his speed. Um, we all, we've always said, Jeff, the guys at the bottom line. Again, show me one skill that you do yeah. well, 
And he might have shown a couple there. The grit and the speed were both good. And guys, I can just tell you, being in that building and feeling the energy of opening night, mm-hmm. again, another reminder that the preseason is, ugh, it's just, it's too long. It's six games. And I know a decade ago, it was nine games. I was looking back, uh, I think it was the 2010 season. The Canucks played nine preseason games. They went 7-0-2. But uh, the fact that they were at six, I'd go down to four if I had my way. Uh, Kamesh was in the building too. I should have gone and uh, sought him out and uh, suggested that uh, and tell him to allow guys to use pride tape uh, mm-hmm. at the same time. But uh, whatever the case, preseason, like you just realize how dull, how boring, uh, how uninspired preseason hockey is. Like it really was night and day uh, when they dropped the puck and start playing for keeps. And we saw early on, you know, Dakota Joshua didn't have a great preseason. We know the coach was on him after the first game. Uh, you know, mixing it up, drops the gloves with the uh, Vincent DeHarnay, who's a big dude. And I don't know if that was, remember at the end of the last game against the Oilers where DeHarnay got the stick in the face of Anthony Beauvilliers and the Canucks maybe thought that uh, he had taken some liberties there. I don't know if that was payback for that or if it was just two guys trying to set the tone. Whatever. Dakota Joshua is going to have to accept that role. Like, I'm not thinking he's going to fight every night. He's not. But if trouble comes looking for him, he's going to have to respond and answer the bell. And so, yeah, I mean, in a roundabout way, in the preseason, there were too many guys that didn't do anything. Um, so Dakota Joshua drops the mitts. He scores a goal. It wasn't a significant one, but, you know, just about feeling good and getting those vibes. And, you know, sometimes I wonder about guys if they figure, you know, go two, three, five games off the hop without scoring. They wonder, am I ever going to score? So for a guy like Dakota Joshua, get one on opening night, even if it's the 8-1 goal, and just put that in your back pocket and feel uh, you can leave the rink feeling good about your contribution. That's a brave fight to take, too, because yeah. Dayarne is not a, small, not a small man. I do wonder about Beauvillier. He's been awfully quiet through the preseason, yeah. and, and I thought was, again, in this hockey game. And, uh, guys, Nils Hoaglander was downright invisible on a night where people are fattening up and uh, he looked a little bit better in the third period, but that's, that turns into like an AHL pushback from the Oilers in the third period. So I, I should hope that he looks a little bit better in the third period, but overall wasn't trusted with a ton of ice time and underlying numbers weren't great. Has no bottom line in a night where, as you said, everybody's getting something. So that's that's one concern. If we're if we're going to expunge the concern uh, box here, sure. and it should be a pretty easy one to do here on a night like this, um, the young kids on the blue line, um, what to do? Uh, Brisebois oh. has more experience than that, so he'll probably be probably be available on the weekend. Um, you know, what's the leash going to be like on the road? No last change for Rick Talk yeah, on the weekend. I, I honestly, I wonder if Susie's not closer than Brisebois. Really? Yeah, uh, Brisebois to my knowledge, has not been skating. Uh, Susie apparently was on the ice this morning, you know, week to week on the weekend, and now Boom. it sounds yeah. like day to day. So that's good news. And, and you know, Well, maybe- he was a game time decision tonight, wow. Jeff, which, yeah. which well, makes I, me wonder, like, was this just I, him going, we're so short, I will absolutely play, I'll play on. I, you know. I know the coach said that this morning, but if a guy is truly a game time decision, he takes the warm-up, and neither Bluger nor Susie nor Brisebois took the warm-up. And so I think, to me, that says they're not – they weren't full-on game-time decisions. Whatever the case, they have a couple of days here. And the way the schedule works, no back-to-backs out on this five-game road trip. There's going to be practice time between games. Uh, you know, if guys aren't feeling great or if they're, you know, if they suffer a nick somewhere along the line, recovery time. So, yeah, five on the road is going to be difficult. But, 
usually there's a back-to-back in there somewhere, and that's not the case. Uh, the first back-to-back for the Canucks is when they get off the road and they've got the, the Rangers and the, the St. Louis Blues at Rogers Arena. So we'll see what happens on defense. And with Hoaglander, uh, you know, he has to know that Mikheyev is getting closer whenever he gets clearance to get in there. Yeah, you would like to have thought that kind of read that writing on the wall and, and try to make something happen. I uh, didn't think it was a particularly good period, uh, first period for Juleson and Hiroshi. I think the shot attempts were six zip for the Oilers mm-hmm. and a lot of one-way traffic. Uh, Juleson got beat wide by Kulak. Uh, man, what a pass by Dreisaitl yeah. to spring Kulak down the left side, and he got a step around uh, uh, Juleson, and Thatcher Demko had to make some early saves, and that's kind of a, another part of the storyline that uh, gets pushed aside just because the Canucks scored so much and provided run support for the goaltending. But I thought early on, I mean, it's a scoreless game through the first eight minutes, and the Oilers had that power play, and I thought Thatcher Demko had to make a handful of early saves, and and he looked sharp and dialed in, as he did through the preseason. Mm-hmm. Juleson with a nice uh, pass to start that breakout. On the Lafferty to Joshua goal? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. no. The um, it was the uh, was it the first goal? Yeah, or the second goal. goal. Yeah, it was the first goal. The hockey game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Joel uh, struggled at different times outside of that. And guys, one thing we haven't even mentioned yet: they played a skater short tonight. As did well, Edmonton. Well, both sides for did a so second straight yeah. year. Well, no, but here's the thing: I would have thought playing a skater short the saw off favored Edmonton based on the guys who would be double shifting from the Oilers. Uh, You know, I didn't necessarily think 17 on 17 was advantage Canucks. I thought that was edge for Edmonton and, you know, the trickle down effect uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and who was going to fill in, as we mentioned, three penalty killers out of the lineup and um, didn't seem to bother them. No, it's funny though. I mean, I kind of wanted to see how that was going to play out and, you know, how can you, if you're a coach, how do you work your fourth line in uh, early on? Then Myers takes the penalty five minutes into the hockey game. And then Joshua and, and DeHarnay get in their fight. And so now you got two guys in the penalty box for five right. minutes. So, you know, that was a chore and a challenge for both of the coaches relatively early in the hockey game. But uh, ultimately, uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, do what they had to do. They get the lead. They extend it 2 nothing after one. It was 4 nothing when the hook came out for Jack Campbell. In came... Uh, Stuart Skinner, Drysaddle scores on the power play midway through the second. It's four to one. And you know, I, I just think there were people that probably remember opening it last year where the Canucks had the three nothing lead in Edmonton. And obviously it got away and McDavid took that game over. And so that Pedersen power play goal three minutes after Drysaddle had scored uh, to extend the Canucks lead. And then it was uh, home and clear in the third period with three unanswered goals there. Eight one, the final score it turns into a laugher at Rogers Arena, but boy, it sets up a delicious rematch on Saturday night. You know the Oilers are going to be better. Uh, I do think that there are some questions and concerns. I would have to think Stuart Skinner gets the starting goal uh, in that one, their home opener, and they'll have their crowd uh, fired up, and they don't want to get behind the eight ball early on and drop the first two against the Vancouver Canucks hockey team. So I, I think the Canucks can be sure that they'll see a better Edmonton team, but uh, the Canucks can feel pretty good about uh, the way they perform top to bottom in this one, winning it by a score of eight to one. All right, let's take a moment here and talk about our mortgage man. Jason yeah, Hominick. our friend Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has the solution where you keep your great rate and you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. 
All right, we'll get to our three stars of this hockey game. We'll have the stat that stands out, and we'll squeeze a little more as uh, we carry on. Looking back at a Canucks 8-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers, a fun night at Rogers Arena. Can't say that uh, there have been enough of those over the last few years, but uh, this one, uh, all things going the Canucks' way as they down the Oilers by a score of 8-1. to Jeff with Matt and Blake. It's rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Canucks over the Oilers, 8-1. to one. Let's get to our three stars. This isn't going to be the way it goes uh, each and every night here on Rink Wide. We'll do our three stars. But they aren't always going to match what happens in building. But uh, tonight, uh, it shakes down that way. Uh, how can you go against Brock Besser? Easy choice, I think, mm-hmm. for the first star. JT might think, hey, I had five points over here, and we'll get to JT in a sec. But uh, what a night for Brock Besser. For me, uh, the easy choice is the first star of this hockey game. Uh, just, a, you know, what a, a weight off of his shoulders. Um, and we make reference, joking reference to your question and answer with him <laughs> about, you know, is this the year you score 30? Um this Boy, better be the year. I mean, honestly, he's got only 26 to go over. Like now it feels like he only needs a 26 goal season, but it'll really be 30. So it's a, it, it's a huge boost. So I, I hope he has an easier time scoring goals the rest of the way. Well, and look, he's not going to get shin pad bounces every night, but uh, he has to be so encouraged with the snapshot. Didn't score Completely. in the preseason. He had the one big night against the Oilers with uh, a bunch of assists, but he's a goal scorer. He's supposed to be a goal scorer, and that just had to feel good for him to score the way that he used to uh, in his first couple seasons. Well, and he NHL. gets a couple of goals in type. I thought another storyline tonight was the traffic yep. they got in front of the Edmonton goal, and oftentimes it was Brock Besser, and on the power play it was Kuzmenko and Besser. So that power play looks like it's going to be a load to handle, even without Bo Horvat in the bumper spot. And, you know, as everybody is saying tonight, if anybody deserves a couple of good breaks on this hockey team, it's Brock Besser. So Brock Besser with the first star, J.T. Miller with a goal and four assists, and we talked about him more than holding his own in the head-to-head matchup with Connor McDavid. Uh, a really good night and a good start to the season for J.T. Miller. A uh, quote from him after the game, there was a little bit of F.U. in our game after last year's start. He's, dro- he's dropping FUs an awful lot this week because I, <laughs> I had a chat with him earlier in the week about uh, just working with Adam Foote on the penalty kill. And he was like, yeah, you know, we get into these FU matches, but, you know, it's all good. Um, so He loves to swear, yes. he, you know, and it can be fun. So uh, power to him. Uh, the, uh, the, the play was determined, and, and I get where he's coming from with the FU comment because – um, you know, a bunch of them showed that sort of yep. determination, and uh, he was uh, chief amongst them when you look at the at the bottom line, too, with five points. Well, and when you see Elias Pettersson bowling over Cody Ceci, right. that's part of, yeah. you know, Elias Pettersson uh, digging into this hockey game. And so I've got Pettersson as the third star, and again, a quiet one and three for him, but a four-point night and another uh, guy that's off to a great start uh, on the stat sheet at the very least. So there you go, the rank-wide Vancouver three stars, Brock Besser, J.T. Miller, and Elias Pettersson. 
you know, one guy we really haven't talked an awful lot about, uh, and it's pretty remarkable in an 8-1 win, is the captain. It's true. Hughes. He and, got a couple of points, too, but quiet ones. Yeah. And, you know, he'll have his night. He made three points. So, he uh, three? Okay. Yeah. I sure changed him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but his night started with what had to be a pretty special ceremony for him. Getting the, I mean, we've known for a month now that he's the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. He wore the C through the preseason. But when they introduced him last, he came out with the A on his jersey one last time and then was presented uh, the uniform with the captain C by Henrik and good to see Trevor Linden in the building. Just going to say and Smeal getting the nice uh, recognition for his 45 years. And it's great to see Orland Curtin back still uh, around and at game 87, you said 87 that? years old. Ooh, he looks looking, fantastic for yeah. his age. Great to see Kurt. And on any other night, the repatriation of Trevor Linden to Rogers arena and the Vancouver Canucks might <laughs> be, be tough story, might be the headline. Uh, it's not that he hasn't been back at Rogers Arena since he uh, amicably parted ways with the franchise. Uh, he was there for Sedine Knight, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, when they got their numbers retired. But he famously was not there and in his Kitsilano home four years ago when they named Bo Horvat the captain and they had a similar ceremony with captains from years past. So... I don't know if this is because Quinn Hughes was procured during the Trevor Linden era as president of hockey operations. I don't know if things have smoothed over between the owner and Trevor Linden, but it was great to see him back at Rogers Arena, and uh, he's gone completely silver now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I still think he's probably got the exuberance and fitness of a 25-year-old. Oh, but yes. sure. He looks fantastic. But a silver fox indeed. <laughs> uh, Quinn Hughes on the night, the three assists, 21 minutes and 38 seconds, and that's another part of the story. Like, we know he's going to have nights where he plays close to 30 minutes. So uh, if you can have some nights where you rest him, and he didn't have to play much in the third period. Wasn't well, even the high minute man on the blue line. Right, and so on the last couple of power plays, uh, you know, the Canucks are running out Ian Cole and Tyler Myers and Lafferty and Dakota Joshua. They don't want to run up the score uh, any more than at all what he was, but you don't need those players at that point. So uh, I think, again, some good organizational decisions here. Get Demko out of there. Uh, dehydration uh, is the official word from the hockey club as he's been battling this flu that's going around. And so they just said there's just no reason for him to play the final 12 minutes. Uh, so they threw go, up in his mask, apparently. That's not good. We don't like to no, do that. No. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Quinn Hughes, uh, we've talked about him wanting to shoot the puck more. Six shot attempts, three of them on goal. And comes up with the three helpers. So They're, the underlying metrics for that pairing were very good. Uh, both got onto the stat sheet with points as well. Do the Canucks should they just keep on keeping on there, guys, with the super duo until things just look so terrible that they have to spread the wealth? Now they go on the road. Now it gets real for them in terms of matchups and sheltering. Uh, you know that Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers are going to try to get McDavid and or Drysaddle. Uh, out against Juleson and Hiroshi, if that is, in fact, the third pair on Saturday night. But again, we'll see uh, a couple of days here between games. So maybe Carson Soucy is able to go on Saturday. Maybe Brisebois uh, is ready. So it, it's hard to know what the third pairing and what the defensive pairings are going to look like. But uh, I think all things considered, uh, this was a success. You know, I'm still not totally sold on it over the long haul just because uh, there isn't the depth that you'd like, one through six on this blue line. But they see fit to load up and uh, 
again, I think Philip Ronick's had a really nice preseason. He got thumped early in the game. We talked about Elias Pettersson with his hit on Cody Cece. McDavid got yeah. a pretty good piece. Of yeah. And I was worried for a guy that had the shoulder injury last year. Like it looked like his shoulder took the brunt mm-hmm. of that hit from Connor McDavid, but uh, he popped back up and, uh, you know, just it's quiet for the most part around Philip Hironic. He picked up the assist on uh, the second Besser goal. So he did get in on the scoring, but uh, defensively, first and foremost, that's his job. He was busy, killed penalties. Um, and I thought had a really strong game and that pair together uh, carried a 61.1% Corsi mm. four shots were eight, five in the Canucks favor at even strength. And the Canucks outscore the Oilers three zip with those two guys on the ice at even strength. So if, best plus four, Jeff, if I have just, them as two assists here. Oh, did they give him a second? Oh, yeah, assist? they gave okay. him a say. So he's two assists nice. and a plus right. four on the night. And I thought he was pretty good defensively as well. Arizona they, missions. Well, I think they took it away. It's I've only got them as one. Assist. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm I'm looking at oh, the no, they, summary they, with yeah. I just reset, and yes. you're right. I, second I, assist I, on Bester's. There you yeah, go. Pardon uh, me. And in terms of keeping that pair together, you know, Blake, we used to talk about this all the time. You know, the old hockey dogma of you don't mess with the winning lineup, and yet, do you not tailor your lineup to the specific situation of the opponent on that night? And as Jeff points out. When you don't have last change, do you want to split them up so you have likely one of them on the ice against McDavid? Susie's the big equalizer here. This is the information Fair. we need. If Susie's in the lineup, they might risk it. If not, yes. We're not going to go back and restart the podcast, but the second heroic assist comes at the expense of one of JT's. Oh, oh no. so it's a four point night for JT. Do I have to rejig the three? St- no, we won't go down that road either. <laughs> I hate the late scoring change. Come on. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the stat that stands out here in a second. Or should we wait until uh, all the stats <laughs> yes, are settled? Exactly, true. Jeff. Let the dust settle on mm. the night. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, give a few moments here for uh, the stats to be solidified as we do that. Uh, Let's talk about AG1. I mean, you, you almost have to wonder if somebody got into the AG1 before <laughs> this game, right? If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to GoDrinkAG1.com. That's DrinkAG1.com. Not go. I meant go to. DrinkAG1.com slash Vancouver. Check it out. Canucks look like they uh, helped themselves to some right. one Came firing out of the gates, got the 2 nothing lead. Uh, it's time for the stat that stands out. This is something we'll do uh, throughout the season, uh, each and every night that we do a rink-wide. And, of course, we'll be here uh, after every one of the 82 games the Canucks play. And if they play like this, we'll be doing it. In- oh, I'm getting way ahead. No, right. stop it. All right, fair enough. Uh, to me, the stat that stands out, guys, so we talked about Brock uh, off the top, and we're going to be talking about him for days. Four goals, eight shots on goal. And that, again, this is a shooter. You want him to have the puck on his stick if he's going to shoot it the way that he did on that first goal. But I think the thing that really stands out about the eight shots, those were his eight attempts. He hit the target on all eight shots. So he had eight shot attempts, and they were all That's crazy. shots on goal. Yeah, that's so, very good stats. Yeah, like he uh, he was, uh, you know, the, the radar was working for him there. He was uh, dialed up and... You know, again, he scores the one goal that's a shooter's goal, but uh, as we talked about, going to the front of the net, uh, getting a fortunate bounce, putting himself in the right position, just doing a lot of things that he has to do 
to have success. So an all-around good night for Brock Besser. He was our first star, and he's also uh, the guy with the stat that stands out. Also in the shots column, um, only two players were above three shots. In a game like this, you think, oh, everybody's peppering. Only two guys got more than three shots on target. The aforementioned Besser and Delius Pedersen, which is also a very good sign because um, as much as, you know, I think you're going to have days where you have Andre Kuzmenko or JT Miller um, get up to four, five, six shots on, on the night. Elias Pettersson filling the net is going to require some shots, and uh, he gets five on target as well in this match. Well, we wondered what the Vancouver Canucks would look like after a fairly uninspired preseason. Uh, they were saving themselves. It's so obvious now. They were saving themselves Absolutely. for opening night against to which, the Edmonton Oilers. To which Dwayne on an Ask J-Pad asked, greatest opening night <laughs> uh, win in Canucks history? Oh boy! In my history, I don't I don't remember any better was it than this. Five one? years ago, the Elias debut on uh, home that ice. That too. was a pretty good was one pretty with a little wry smile, looking up at uh, the video board of himself. But fifth, I mean, that wasn't eight one. Fifth, it's fifth straight year that they've opened against the Oilers, uh, which is a little odd when you think that Calgary's sitting right there yeah. as well. Uh, maybe a mix of Flames game. Seattle, in for us. Yeah, yeah, now Seattle uh, too. Whatever the case, uh, the Canucks had won one of the last four. So they get a second win in the last five now season openers against the Edmonton Oilers and off to Edmonton for the rematch on Saturday. And then the road trip uh, continues into Philadelphia, uh, south to Tampa and Sunrise, and it'll finish up against the Nashville Predators. So I can actually feel pretty good about themselves. They'll have a practice day here in town before they fly out to Edmonton on Friday. But uh, guys, just some Final thoughts here on a night that sees the Canucks absolutely wallop the Edmonton Oilers. I'll urge restraint. It's, it is but one game, as much fun as it is, although some will try to take advantage of the situation. Whistler Golf Club has uh, sent us a message. Mm. They're willing to sponsor the Stanley Cup Parade show. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we'll hold them to that. Yes. can work them in on that. Yeah. I mean, just a dream start for the Vancouver Canucks, you know, even down to the fact that the guys who leave the game look like they were just feeling the effects of the flu and nothing more serious. And, boy, uh, if you spent your money to see Connor McDavid in opening night, you got a show, but you got a show from the home team tonight. Yeah, there were a lot of Connors in that game now with Connor Brown <laughs> we, there we in said that too. Talking as about well. That. Everybody. Too many Connors are... Everybody in hockey is a Connor now. And incidentally, the kid from North Vancouver got his first NHL goal. Yeah, tonight, congrats. And it was a pretty too. one. Yeah. All right. That's going to be a wrap here on opening night. And uh, what a night it was for the Vancouver Canucks. Eight to one over the Edmonton Oilers. Brock Besser with four. Patterson and Miller and Garland and Dakota Joshua. Uh, they round out the scoring for the Vancouver Canucks. So Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. We'll be back to do it again on Saturday night, the rematch, first hockey night in Canada, weekend game of this new National Hockey League season. The Canucks are 1-0 to start the year after they pour it on against the Oilers. For Matt and Blake, this is Jeff. As always, thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver.